I'd like to add my welcome to you. Um, I'm Lauren Venhausen, one of the elders here at Emmaus Road Church, and it's my uh, pleasure to be able to uh, bring God's Word uh, to you this morning. Trouble. We never know when it might come our way. On January 6, 2017, my 54th birthday, my wife Tammy and I arose at about 4 a.m. in the morning, and we were excited to be getting out of the cold of Sioux Falls and heading to the warmth of Fort Lauderdale for a week-long cruise with our lifelong friends, RJ and Edie. We boarded the plane and flew to Minneapolis and then to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. When we arrived, we went to baggage claim, grabbed our luggage, and then we sat down at the end of the baggage claim area uh, to wait for the bus that would take us to our ship. As we were waiting, we heard RJ and Edie's flight arrive from, from Atlanta. Uh, so I suggested to Tammy that she go back to the other end of the, of the baggage claim area and greet them as they came down the escalator. So she headed that way, and as she did, uh, she crossed paths with a man. She had also noticed too many in Minneapolis who uh, made her feel kind of creepy. Their eyes met, and she passed by. About 15 seconds later, she was at the bottom of the escalator. RJ and Edie had just arrived, and she was about to give him a hug when we heard pop, pop, pop. My first thought was, who's setting off fireworks, firecrackers in the airport? That's exactly what it sounded like. But then as I turned to look, I saw a man, gun out, shooting into the baggage claim area. We were part of a mass shooting. Immediately, I dropped to my knees behind the chairs that I had been sitting in, and I started to watch, and I watched this man as he shot into the, into the crowd gathered around the bags. Tammy and, EJ, Tammy and RJ and Edie had run around the end of the escalators and were banging on a door wanting to get outside, out of the baggage claim area. By the grace of God, someone heard them banging, came, unlocked that door, and they were able to get out and out onto the tarmac and ran on the tarmac for the good part of the day, actually. Meanwhile, I was still kneeling beside, behind the chairs. But as the gunman continued shooting, and as he began to walk my way, I dropped and I laid flat on the floor underneath the chairs as he walked my way. As I laid there, I prayed a very simple prayer over and over and over again. Jesus, save me. Initially, as I prayed that prayer, my meaning was, Jesus, save me from being shot. I don't want to be killed. Save me from being shot. But as I lay there, the gunman continued to walk closer and closer and even though I was under some chairs, I really was not very protected. As he got closer, the words of my prayer didn't change. I continued to pray, Jesus save me, Jesus save me, Jesus save me. But now my meaning has ch had changed from Jesus save me from being shot to I'm pretty sure I'm going to be shot. Jesus take me to be with you. 
As it turned out, he took his final shots about 10 yards away from me, ran out of ammunition, laid down, and gave himself up. Five were killed that day, and six others were injured. That day, God answered my first Jesus saved me prayer. He was my refuge, a very present help in time of trouble. Today we're going to look at Psalm 46. It's the psalm that inspired Martin Luther to write the hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And it's said that when Luther heard any discouraging news, he would turn to singing the 46th psalm. So please, in honor and reverence for God's holy and inspired and infallible word, if you are able, please stand with me as we read Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way, Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's pray. God, we are humbled that you are with us, that you are near us, that you are our help and our fortress and our strength. I pray today, Lord, that as we look at this psalm, Lord, that we might feel your nearness in a way that is tangible and that gives us peace and hope for the future. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The main point of Psalm 46 is that God is with us. In times of difficulty and trouble, God is with us. In verse 1, we see that God is very present. In verse 4, we see that his people are his holy habitation. In verse 5, God is in the midst of his people, uh, his church. In verse 7, says the Lord of hosts is with us. And then again in verse 11, the Lord of hosts is with us. Loved ones, God is with us. Our God is not a God who created us and then left us off to fend for ourselves. Oh no. No matter how severe the difficulty, no matter how daunting the trouble you may be facing, God is with you. 
He is your refuge and strength. The nearness of God to his people has always been the distinguishing mark of the people of God. If you've taken our foundations class, if you've been in that class, you know that one of the weeks we teach during that is on this very subject, uh, the nearness of God with his people. We see this in the story of Moses leading the people into the promised land. In Exodus chapter 33, God is giving instructions to Moses in leading the people in. But Moses has a question for God in verse 12. And the gist of his question to God is, God, how will I know that I have found favor in your sight? How will I know I'm going to succeed and everything is going to work out okay? In verse 14, God answers that question and he says, and he said, and God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Moses responds and says to God, God, your presence is so important to us that if you don't go with me, then just leave us here. Don't even take us in. We, we, we do not bring us into the land if you don't go with us. And then in verse 16, Moses gives the reason for that. He says, For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight. I know you by name. It is the presence of God that makes his people a distinct people. Moses points out this truth again when he is commanding uh, the people to listen to God's commandments and to obey them. In Deuteronomy 4, 7, Moses said, Moses says, For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call on him? We see this distinguishing mark of the presence of God with his people in the New Testament as well in the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 14, 23-25, Paul's writing about the superiority of the gift of prophecy to the gift of tongues and what an unbeliever might experience when entering into a church where his people are prophesying. There Paul writes, But if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he, speaking of the unbeliever, he's convicted by all, he's called to account by all, the secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Loved ones, have you considered recently what an amazing blessing that is? That God is really among us? It's not our great worship, as, as great as that is, that makes us distinct. It's not excellent preaching, which we are so often blessed to hear, that makes us distinct. It's not those things that make us distinct as a church. No, it's the very presence of God among us that makes us special, distinct people. What an incredible truth that God is so near to us whenever we call upon him.
Whether you're laying flat under some chairs at the airport, or sitting in a difficult meeting at work, or laying in a hospital bed, or at your wit's end with your kids at the end of the day, God is near. He is with you. Our God is not like the gods of the prophets of Baal, whom Elijah mocked in 1 Kings 18, when he said, well, you know, maybe your God is busy with some other entertainment, or, or maybe he's going to the bathroom right now, or, or maybe he's sleeping, or maybe he's on a trip. Friends, that is not our God. Our God is near. Our God is listening. Our God is ready. Our God is with us. In Psalm 46, we see three significant implications for us resulting from the truth that God is with us. First, we do not need to fear. Verse 2 says that because God is our refuge and our strength, because God is a very present help in, time, very present help in trouble, we will not fear. God is our refuge and strength. A refuge is a place of security, a place of safety. It's a place that we go to be protected from trouble. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs to it and is safe. Do you feel like trouble is pursuing you today? Do you feel like trouble is greeting you at every turn? Run to the Lord. Do you feel discouraged and beaten down? Run to the Lord. God is your strength to bear you up under your troubles. He will, by his grace, give you strength to endure. As you think about your life, what troubles are you dealing with today? Chances are good that there's something troubling you. Jesus said in John 16, in this world, you will have tribulation. So we shouldn't be surprised about it when trouble comes our way. There's no way in a fallen, broken world, living with fallen, broken people, that we can avoid trouble. The doctor says you have cancer. Your boyfriend breaks up with you. You have a miscarriage. Your company is sold and you lose your job. One of your kids walks away from the Lord. You have a heart attack. Your spouse is killed in an accident. Your rent is increased and you can't afford to stay where you are. Your 401k drops by 20%. Everything seems okay. And then pop, 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 you fill in the blank. All of a sudden, without warning, trouble hits. And there's nothing you can do to stop it from coming. That's the picture we see in verses 2 and 3 of Psalm 46. The suddenness of an earthquake shaking everything to its very core. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. The psalmist is saying that no matter how bad things get, even in what seems like the very worst of circumstances, 
we need not fear. We can run to God. He is our refuge. He is our strength. He is a very present help in trouble. That little phrase, a very present help, literally means a help found. Sometimes we have things going on in our lives and we wonder, what am I going to do? I don't, know, I don't know what to do and it doesn't seem like there is anyone here that can help me. But there is someone to help. Our God is a help found. God is right there and he's not playing hide and seek with you. Because he is a help found, we need not fear. I think one of the uh, greatest fears that's common to man is the fear of death. You may have thought, as I told my airport story earlier, well, Lauren, you know, it's great that God protected you during that shooting. We're happy for that. But what about those five people that were killed? How was God a very present help to them? You've probably heard people say when these all-too-common tragedies happen, where was God in that? And that's a great question. And that's one that I've pondered over and over uh, in my mind. The answer is that God was a refuge and strength to every one of his people in the airport that day. For me, he was my refuge as he protected me from being shot. And he has been a refuge and strength to me and to Tammy and to RJ and to Edie as we've worked through and past the trauma of that experience. But for any believer who was killed that day, God was their refuge as they departed to be with Christ, which according to Philippians 1.23 is far better. It's at the moment of our death that God proves himself to be our greatest refuge and strength as he protects us from the penalty of sin based on the sacrifice that Christ made for our sins at the cross. So was God a refuge and strength for those believers that lost their life that day? Absolutely he was. And for those believing loved ones that were left behind, God is their refuge and strength and help in their grief. So you see, God was a refuge for every one of his people in the airport that day. And no matter what circumstance you find yourself in, God is your refuge and strength too. God is good. God is good. And God is able to handle whatever comes your way. Psalm 93.4 says, Mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. The one who is mighty can handle your problems. Do not fear. Run to him. He is a strong tower. The one who is mighty has paid the price for your sin. Death is defeated. Fear is gone. Because God is with us, we don't need to fear even in the worst of times. He's working all things together for our good and for his glory. Second, because God is with us, we can be glad. 
Verse 4 says that there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The word glad there means exactly that, exactly what it says. To be glad or joyful or to rejoice. Um, So in the middle of trouble, in times of trial and distress, it is possible to be glad and joyful. Well, how can that be? How does God, how does God make, that, make that happen for us? Again, verses 4 and 5 say, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. Let's dissect this, these verses a little bit to see what the psalmist is talking about. First, a river. Who or what is this river? In John 7, 37 to 39, Jesus is celebrating the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. And there we read this. It says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. The rivers that flow out of the heart of the believer is the Holy Spirit. So since the river is the Holy Spirit, what are these streams that flow out from the river? They are the work and the activity of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer and in the church. Now, the works of the Spirit are many and, and varied, and, and I'm not going to talk about all of them today, but I do want to highlight just two works of the Spirit that are particularly relevant uh, to our topic for today. Um, they are two works of the Spirit that enable us to be glad, even in the darkest of times. One of those activities of the Holy Spirit is to comfort us and to give us protection. In Isaiah 33, 21, it says, But there the Lord in majesty will be for us a place of broad rivers and streams, where no galley with oars can go, nor majestic ships can pass. The idea here is that the rivers and the streams are places of protection, where huge uh, Huge battleships full of huge crews cannot go uh, to attack. The rivers and streams were safe and protected from any large battleships. And that's what the Lord is to us, a protection from attack. In our passage for today, note the contrast between verses 2 and 3 and verses 4 and 5. In verses 2 and 3, the earth gives way, the mountains are moved, the, the waters roar and foam. The mountains tremble. It's, it's mass chaos. But in verses 4 and 5, we see a calm river with gentle streams, quiet and calm and peaceful. Though the mountains be moved, the city of God, God's church, God's people will not be moved. The ministry of the Holy Spirit gives us comfort and peace, even when trouble is raging all around us. 
A second activity of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit gives us evidence of God's presence. As we already looked at in John chapter 7, Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit within us would be so powerful that it would be like a river of living water flowing out from within us. That's a power that's visible. That's a power that can be perceived, that can be seen. And one of the ways in which he is shown visibly is by giving spiritual gifts to his church. And from time to time, he also works miraculous things that attest uh, to God with us. Sometimes it's said that the Spirit does not call attention to himself, but rather only purposes to give glory to Jesus and to God the Father. And while the Holy Spirit certainly does point to God and to Christ, he also makes himself, makes himself known in various ways. Wayne Grudem writes in his Systematic Theology, It seems more accurate, therefore, to say that although the Holy Spirit does glorify Jesus, he also frequently calls attention to his work and gives recognizable evidence that make his presence known. Indeed, it seems that one of his primary purposes in the New Covenant age is to manifest the presence of God, to give indications that make the presence of God known. And when the Holy Spirit works in various ways that can be perceived by believers and unbelievers, this encourages people's faith that God is near and that he is working to fulfill his purposes in the church and to bring blessing to his people. As Matt was giving his announcements this morning, I thought of this, this specific uh, passage related to God revealing his spirit or his presence through the volunteering of his people to serve in tangible ways that we can see that his people are served and faith is built up as that service occurs. That's what, that's what he's talking about here. Because of this work, the work of the Holy Spirit that we see manifested through his people, we can be glad, full of joy, even in the hardest of times. The Holy Spirit assures us through internal and external evidences that God is near and God is at work. So because God is with us, we do not need to fear. And because God is near, we can be glad and joyful, even in trials. Third, because God is with us, our souls can be at peace. If you've been a Christian very long at all, you're likely familiar with verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. It's the classic verse to encourage Christians to have a quiet time, to reflect on who God is, and to know that He is God. And having a daily quiet time uh, to slow down, uh, get into the Word, pray, 
Listen for God is a great and important and vital practice. I I highly encourage you in that. But is that what verse 10 is really talking about? Let's look at that verse in context. Verses 8 and 9 encourage us to come behold what God has done, how he has brought desolations on the earth. The idea there of desolations is God's defeat of his enemies, uh, probably referring to any one of David's victories um, over his enemies. The psalmist encourages uh, encourages us to consider how God is the one who controls the events of history, defeating enemies, putting an end to wars. This is all about God's sovereignty. He controls all things. He moves kings and kingdoms like water in his hands. All these things are in his hand, not ours. Come behold that God is sovereign and that he is in control and that he is able to defeat his enemies. Up to this point in the psalm, everything is in the third person. It's the psalmist writing about God. But in verse 10, God breaks in and speaks in the first person. Be still. That word, still, here in, this, in Psalm 46, is an interesting, it's, it's a fascinating word. In the English Standard Version of the Bible, that word still occurs 212 times. But there is only one instance where still has the meaning that it has here. Only in Psalm 46. Be still in Psalm 46 means to release, to let go. One definition I read said to be limp. The meaning of be still and know that I am God is not simply to sit silently and think about God. The idea is to recognize who God is and to calm your soul. The command here is to realize that God is in control and to quit running around like a chicken with your head cut off. We tend to do that, don't we? The problems begin to mount and we have to take care of this and we have to deal with that and we have to fix this and we have to make things right and can you look at, look at what that group is doing? And can you believe that tweet? And now I have to boycott them too. Is Chick-fil-A the only safe place to go anymore? But here God breaks in, and it's as if he says, will you calm down? I'm God. And no matter how desperate things look right now, no matter how much trouble you're in, No matter how dire your situation, no matter how evil things appear, I am sovereignly, by my good will, working things out in history so that I will be exalted among the nations and the earth. So release your problems to me. And really, when we examine ourselves, where does all our striving, all our struggle, All our fears, all our worry, all of our hanging on to our problems come from. 
Doesn't it, when we boil it all down, come down to our view of God? Is God a big God that will handle all things? Or is he a God on the verge of defeat? Can he really handle my troubles? But even if he can, will he? That's why verses 8 and 9 encourage us to consider the works of God. I love our missional community. Um, The MC that Tammy and I lead with Greg and Lori is uh, made up mostly of people who are empty nesters or uh, who are very nearly empty nesters. Um, The average age of people in our MC is, I'm not counting anymore. But, you know, what I love about that is that we've lived some life. We've lived some life. And with that life lived comes some perspective. I love hearing the stories of people where heartache and struggle are now seen through the lens of God's gracious work. Loss that formed character. Heartache that turned to joy. Disappointment that with the passage of time revealed itself to be a blessing. Even at this season of life, our troubles are not over. But having seen the faithfulness of God in the past, being comforted by the present of the presence of the Holy Spirit in the present, we can face the future full of confidence and without fear. Romans 8:28 is true. And we know we know that for those who love God, all things, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Loved one, loved ones, is your heart troubled? Be still. God is God. The same God who spoke to Moses in the burning bush The same God who parted the Red Sea. The same God who shut the mouth of lions. The same God that holds the galaxies in the palm of his hand. That same God is at work for you, for your good, and for his glory. Be still and give glory to God for his amazing works. Fear not. Be glad, be still, and be at peace. God is with us. Let's pray. God, what a glorious, amazing truth that you are with us. Lord, I know that there are people here today who are troubled, who are in their spirit, 
They don't feel like their spirit is still right now. They don't feel calm. They feel troubled and, and, un, and unrest. Father, I pray today that through your spirit that you would give them peace. Lord, I pray that they would run to you as their refuge and their strength. Lord, I pray that we as your people today that we might edify one another, that we might build one another up in such a way that your presence is felt and tangible and real. Father, we love you. We know that whatever comes our way, you are with us and you will help us. You won't hide yourself, but you will be a help found to us each and every day. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We give you honor and glory for being with us. In Jesus' name, amen.